Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today we're going to talk with Dan Weber about the opening of USC Spring Football 2017. We got to see one practice, no pads, but we got to talk about what we saw out there, some of the news and notes from USC Football opening spring practice. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can leave a voicemail by calling 641-715-3900, extension 816 646, or just go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, and you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, um, all different kinds of stuff, Audio Boom, uh, TuneIn Radio, so you can get us everywhere. If you can't, drop me an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Let me know, and we'll make sure you can. Um, all right, well, let's bring in Dan Weber, because we were both out there at practice yesterday. We got there early. And uh, USC started early, so it was about uh, two and a half hours or so, I guess you could say, Dan, for that first practice. Yeah, that was a you know serious, uh, long, uh, thorough, uh, you know, very uh, very much all business, uh, not a lot of you know rah rah and all that. Uh, just you know a decent amount, very much like you know the second half or the October from October on uh, of last year, and uh, I kind of like that. Uh, They've found a way that works for them, and it's all business and, and very serious stuff, and, and that's kind of neat. I like that. That, that, and I think especially this is a younger team. You just realize that uh, that you know you had all the like uh, Sam Darnold was saying. Boy, it's really weird not to see that six foot nine, three hundred and sixty pound guy out here, and you realize, you know, Sam, you know, Zach and, uh, Chad and, uh, Damien and those guys had been in, of course, Adori and Juju and, you know, another at least 12 or so are not here. And, you know, they had a very strong presence, uh, a very kind of senior adult kind of feel about it. And this team's got more players, but they're, you know, significantly younger. And so, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see them develop their own voice and their own personality. Uh, I thought Deontay Burnett, who hasn't been a kid that's been real, you know, demonstrative or whatever, very quietly said some very interesting things after practice that where he said, no, I don't want to be the go-to receiver. He said, we need everybody to be the go-to guy. He said, if we're going to win a national championship, we need everybody. I thought, wow, that's really uh because here he's coming in this tradition of following, you know, just the Sarah guys, you know, Robert and, and, uh, and Marquise and, and were always the go-to guys. And Nelson Aguilar was there the, yesterday and he's the go-to guy. And they were following in a tradition that had, uh, you know, Mike Williams and Terry Colbert and Stephen Smith and go-to guys everywhere you look. But Deontay said, you know, even after the, that Rose Bowl game, which was as good a performance, as any USC receivers had in, you know, maybe ever. I said, no, no, I'll, I'll just be, you know, I'll be who I am. And we want the rest of the guys to come up and, and get there too. I thought that was a really kind of a strong message. I thought from Deontay. Yeah. I thought he did a good job out there. Um, only four players were available. They kind of switched things up a little bit. Um, so we're instead of offensive players, we got to see, hear from Deontay Burnett and Sam Darnold and, uh, Chris Hawkins and, um, uh, Cameron Smith. Cameron so, Smith. Yeah. Yep. So the four, uh, so but I thought they, I thought they did a good job on Thursday. The next practice, we'll be able to talk to pretty much everybody else. And then it'll be back to kind right. of, the and we got, we got a little chance although, while they, our minders weren't watching us, whatever <laughs> introduced, uh, well, you did too, uh, to, uh, Deland McCullough. Yeah. So, you know, people wanted to meet him. And so, so we got some time in with him. I'm, having been a high school coach in Cincinnati and having worked for the Bengals and all that, I've got some, some things I can, you know, we, we share some common experiences. So, uh, so it was fun to 
not an on the record kind of a thing, but hope to get him uh, tomorrow and, and talk about the one uh, new coach that's coming in and what he uh, what he plans to do, what he sees, what or just you know it's it's fun to get that outsider's perspective on USC, uh, and so we're looking forward to that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, you could see the handlers once they started to see what was going on. They got a little nervous over there. You're talking to a coach. Oh my god. Um, it was, <laughs> it was kind of funny though, but it was good. Um, but you know, you know, there's just going to be, uh, helmets and jerseys, no pads or anything like that. So it's about the kind of news because we haven't really seen everybody all together since, uh, you know, the beginning. Uh, I mean, after, you know, after the Rose Bowl. Uh, there weren't really any official or, you know, large group gatherings of winter workouts, which was kind of strange, but we didn't get to see them really throw the football around and group up together. So it was going to be about like who was there and who wasn't, I guess. Um, any kind of surprises? Like we didn't hear much from, from Clay Helton on this, but any surprises that some of the guys that weren't there? Well, I mean, one thing I think we still got to clear up is, uh, uh, it certainly looks like Isaiah Langley is wearing number 24 and, uh, that's been John Plattenberg's number. And I don't know that we saw John yesterday. It was one of those ones where you get finished and you think, now oh, wait a minute, did we see him? So I think there are things we, we have to catch up on tomorrow. I think, uh, there were more, I would guess there were 10 to 12 guys who basically weren't allowed to come out with their helmets. Maybe a little more than we thought. I don't know that we were absolutely, uh, certain that, uh, I think we, we knew Port Augustine was going to have some surgery on that hand to get it, you know, back into set. We didn't know, I think, exactly when that happened. Well, that was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there were a couple of hamstrings that that's not a big deal. Uh, we still don't know, uh, Josh Ramada baby came out without his helmet on and, uh, he kind of got lost in the shuffle when Clay went through, uh, the 10 or so guys. And, uh, so we don't know exactly he was out and, you know, with the wide receivers and, you know, in uh, shorts and jersey, just no helmet. So we weren't sure uh, about Josh. But uh, I think that's probably most of where I think we saw, for example, that Kenny Bigelow looks pretty close, but we're also here and we're hearing that he's kind of a maybe and if he, after, you know, they're going to evaluate him, it looks like after uh spring break and so for you know the the week after to get off next week uh see where he is uh it certainly sounds like it's more of a chance that he won't engage in contact much the same as toa lobadon who is out there uh and snapping for the quarterback throwing drills and stuff like that but he definitely will not be involved in contact and uh uh i think he told me uh that by the end of uh his his clearance should come fairly soon after spring ball but so he he should be able to you know have contact uh whatever kind of PRP contact there is in the summer and should be completely ready for uh for uh, uh you know summer work in August so uh, I'm not sure if there's anybody else that uh that we really couldn't oh we uh, we didn't know about Dominic Davis and his concussion and people want to know how could you have a concussion I, I, I don't think we got a chance to really go into that i mean they do enough stuff in the uh the winter workouts with the coaches that we're not allowed to see that you know you could you know run into something or trip on something or run into somebody uh but we don't know the absolute details on uh dominic davis's uh concussion and then we you know we didn't get the the official roster until um, the day before, you know, we got it on Monday. And so some of the names we were looking for, um, were Kevin Scott, who was not eligible for the Rose Bowl, along with Elijah Juan Tucker. Uh, Tucker ended up being on the roster and, and Kevin Scott was not. Um, yeah, people and, ask and about. Elijah Juan was allowed to practice for the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Where Kevin Scott was not. So that gave you a thought that Kevin Scott is, is going to be, you know, in a more difficult situation. Uh, in, in terms of the spring than Olajuwon. And, and you had a pretty good sense that Olajuwon was coming back. Uh, and then even though the rosters we got on Monday, 
they they had changed by they needed to update them on Tuesday just for some numbers like Langley's. Uh, looks like Stephen Mitchell is going to be wearing number four now. What we weren't sure was Joe McKnight's uh, number was worn in the Rose Bowl by uh, uh, Ronald Jones. We weren't sure if Ronald would keep that or go back to his 25. Well, now it looks like he's back. He was in 25, and it looks like Stephen Mitchell maybe is uh, taking over uh, the number four from Joe McKnight. Again, something we'll need to check on uh, Thursday. Yeah, and then um, we weren't sure about the kicking situation with that Bormeister, and he was not out there. He was not on the roster. Um, EJ Price, who you know we've talked about being enrolled in school, uh, is is not on the roster. And even a guy like like at Osa Messina, people you know the the Chargers were dropped in Los Angeles, but they're still Chargers in Utah. And we get asked about that a lot, which I don't feel there's any chance you'll ever see him back on the team again. But people keep asking the question, though. Yeah, and uh, I don't even know if they ask questions about Don Hill, but he may be the uh, you know the 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 guy that's bulletproof in in, in so many of these things. Uh, uh, I mean, he's he's obviously no longer on the team either. And Clay, you know, is going to get asked about it, and there are people who ask it that maybe weren't at one practice and will ask it the next. And he really got, you know, he got perfect answer. He's very, you know, upbeat and looks you right in the eye and said, there's been no change in his status. And you ask him about the next guy. There's been no change in his status. <laughs> and then finally he'll say, but I'll let you know if there is. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. I mean, it's just, boom, he, he doesn't. I don't blame him. You don't want to talk about it. And the rules are with all the privacy, uh, you know, limitations. He's not going to talk about it. And, but they're not going to upset him. There are an awful lot of coaches who allow that to kind of, what are you asking me that question for? You know, who are you trying to, and Clay said, you know, thanks for asking, but there's no change in his status. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't he think just, he, I don't he's think really he got good to... at doing that. Yeah, I don't think he even got to address Kevin Scott. Like, I don't think he even asked about that. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, you're right. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. But, it's yeah, I'd like to get more clarification. I think people try to ask, and, you know, he's kind of obviously avoiding (laughs) saying anything. Yeah, I mean, you hate to ask five or six straight questions like that. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, they're – and I guess they can't really – even if it's an academic issue – they, they like they can't put it in the media guide that he's not back for academic reader, you know. Or, I mean, I think in the past when guys had to miss spring ball if it was academics, but they had a chance. We knew that. I'm trying to think of uh, 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 what's his name, uh, tailback Moody McNeil. Remember, he missed uh, he missed the spring uh, session. And he had I think what was it? His last course he had to pass was guitar, as I remember that summer. And he did, and he got eligible, had a pretty good senior season, uh, at running back. But, uh, but for some reason, we don't get that level of, of detail now as to what their academic situation is exactly. <laughs> level of detail meaning any detail whatsoever. Um, there's, <laughs> exactly. there's really, there's none. And, uh, it's kind of, you want to kind of say, the status hasn't changed. Well, can you tell us what the status is? Because we're really not even sure. Like, it might not have changed, but we don't know what it started at. So. I mean, that may not be a bad question for tomorrow. <laughs> you know, uh, is this exactly what is the status, you know, so that we can all get up to date? It's like, you know, doing the injury report. You can, you know, get us up to date on the injury report. Could you get us up to date on the uh, status report of, you know, where are these guys? Or... Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to know. I mean, we don't have access to the, you know, registrar's office. Who is in class? Is anybody in class? Yeah. In that group. I mean, everybody says that, you know, EJ Price is in class, but, um, you know, can, can we get that officially or not? Uh, and then, you know, the question with EJ Price is, uh, if he is in class, what kind of a scholarship is he on? Is he still on a football scholarship? Uh, you know, is that a process that couldn't happen maybe in the spring, but would happen after the spring if he's, you know, changed to another, another scholarship status? Uh, there are just, you know, there are enough details that maybe we just don't absolutely have the answer to yet. The, uh, 
the, there were some new guys, new faces too. Um, got to see Jack Sears and it was funny. So they were right. They, they started real early when they, uh, walk onto the field and, and they had Sam Darnold go through. It's like a walkthrough against air. So you're just like, or they'll have some of like the offensive players on the other side, but you're really just kind of running a bunch of plays in a row. Yeah, I mean, I think Darnold some people the, call that dummy offense. Dummy, you know, yeah. Like and so Jack Sears is dummies. Yeah, there he was in a shotgun or a pistol. I don't remember. And he was, uh, you know, it was just going to be like a handoff, and like the snap wasn't perfect, and he dropped it, and so it's like the first Jack Sneer, Jack Sears snap of his college career uh, was put on the ground, and then like a couple snaps after it, the same thing happened, and then the first pass happened, and he was um, facing. I mean, he 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 looked to his right and just fired the ball, and there was nobody there, and it literally just went right out the door of Howard Jones Field. So that was the first pass. We got to see Jack Sears throw. Uh, so maybe it was not the greatest start in the world, uh, for him. Or the people are saying he's coming in. He's going to take over the number two spot. Uh, I didn't see that yesterday. I'm sure he can get there, but I don't think he's there yet. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things, for example, that's something you learn, uh, cause I don't think those guys throw before, uh, you know, when they go that early with the dummy stuff and all that, I'm not sure the quarterbacks even get a chance to throw. Uh, real early like that. So here you are, you're not even realizing, you know, it's like a, a pitcher, uh, has to throw a couple of, you know, pitches before he's even warmed up in the bullpen or whatever. So I think, you know, they'll figure that out and he'll, he'll realize, uh, but it did took, it looked like it took him a while to get his arm loosened and, and, uh, you know, whatever. So, uh, that's what spring ball for early entry freshmen is all about, uh, learning how to, you know, how to do that. And, Sam said it was weird having having uh, Sears there. He said because he said the first time I've been out on a field where he wasn't my receiver. You know, he was <laughs> he was uh, yeah. Sam's receiver at San Clemente, so he thought that was uh, it was a little weird. Definitely a little strange, um, but you know, hey. And then okay, so a couple of the other uh, Taylor Katoa, I thought uh, he looked really good, and then uh, Marlin. Tui Palatu of the new, the other new guys that we got to see out there. Those are two guys that kind of stood out. Oh yeah, no, he, uh, he, uh, we, we don't. Well, you're, you're not going to get to do all that much without pads for those guys. But uh, uh, linebackers will get to do more because they're in coverage and you see them move and and laterally. And uh, Taylor looks bigger than we thought he was. Uh, and uh, I really like his movement skills. Uh, I don't, you know, I think. You can probably start penciling him in as somebody who's really, you know, got a heck of a shot at the rotation. Maybe, you know, in that second second group with Jordan Iosefa. Uh, although the really good news there was just watching John Houston move in next to, you know, Cam Smith. I thought that was uh, that was terrifically good news the way George, or way uh, John Houston looked. That like a five star athlete who can really run and uh, look very comfortable out there. And uh, I think uh, with him, if he's as healthy as he looked yesterday, uh, I think, you know, he doesn't have that experience that Michael Hutchings had. And, but, uh, again, I think uh, he complements Cam Smith, I think, perfectly if uh, if it works out that way. So, uh so that was, I thought, a big boost uh, with what we saw yesterday. Because John's kind of, you know, he's almost a newcomer in a lot of ways. His freshman year, he was was out with that back. And last year, I think, you know, mostly special teams as he kind of worked his way gradually back. But he looks like he's back now. And that's uh, that's really good news. Certainly is. Um, yeah, so it was interesting. Kind of, you know, a lot of stuff that looked the same. But there's a lot of big names that weren't there and maybe like the common theme when you talk to players and, and Clay Helton is really just moving on. Like they're not, they're not thinking about the Rose Bowl anymore. And that's what USC fans kind of want to talk about. But this is, you know, to their credit, they're, they're not trying to rest on the laurels there. They're, they want to move on and they know this is a brand new team. I think they're almost embarrassed to talk about it because it's like, gee, many, uh, you know, it doesn't help us. But I think Clay's really made that a talking point that, it's all about now. It's about practice. It's about next year. It's about 
winning championships. It's about being ready to play when the season starts next year instead of waiting until October. Uh, it's a lot of things, but uh, I mean, you could just tell they, uh, you know, this is a new team. We haven't accomplished anything. We haven't done anything. Uh, whatever we're going to do, it's all in front of us. Nothing behind us. That doesn't help us at all. I mean, just the fact that uh, Deontay Burnett has not ever watched the Rose Bowl. Said he watched that, you know, touchdown pass that he caught, uh, you know, to tie the game that Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler went nuts over. He said he saw it once. He was going through Twitter, and uh, there it was. He said, that's it. And then uh, Clay said he watched the game once. He ain't going to watch it again. He said, that's going to take some discipline because, as, you know, as great a feeling as that was, and he said, not going to do it, not going to watch it. And so I thought it was interesting. The the bookstore came out yesterday with their DVD, a uh, big sale on the Rose Bowl DVD was available yesterday at the bookstore, and I thought, I don't think there are going to be many uh, USC football players heading over to the bookstore to <laughs> pick up a copy. It, it just, I mean, it was really like, you know, don't you talk about that game. You know, that game's over. And and you get the feeling, like, for example, these wide receivers, you know, most of them didn't get to play in that game. Uh, and an awful lot of guys USC's going to be counting on this year, you know, weren't big, big, big factors in that game. Uh, and they want this to be their own team. And that game was a start. But I know Clay, I, I, I could hear Lynn uh, Swan in Clay's voice when Clay said, uh, this is about winning championships. USC football is about winning championships. And, um, and they didn't win any. I mean, the start, they, you know, they lost the first two Pac-12 games. So that pretty much took them out of the Pac-12 and, uh, took them out of the, uh, you know, the, a chance for the college football playoffs. So I think I like the idea that they're really saying, you know, this is about winning championships and we got to do everything we can. And we didn't last year. And so you can say, well, we had a great finish, but no championships. So I think the idea, and I, even last year, I think that team with, with all the seniors and, and what have you, they were still trying to get their act together. I don't think they knew. You didn't get the sense that they were thinking necessarily championships. They were trying to get it together and thinking that they could be pretty good, but not sure where that took them. And September took them, you know, in a lot of places, but not to a championship. And so I think it's kind of refreshing to hear them first day of spring talking about national championships. And that's what they're talking about. Um, well, hey, why don't we jump in and get a question here? Let's see. Uh, what, you know, I'm going to do a voicemail question first for you, Dan. I thought this was kind of a good, okay. uh, Jumping off point into spring football. Here you go. J.D. from D.C. with a question for Dan Weber this week. Dan, uh, I'm going to assert that if the staff gets two personnel questions right over the spring and fall, this team has enough talent in all spots to go all the way next year. And specifically, that is, where does Toa Loba not play along the offensive line? And where does Uchenno also play along the defensive front seven? If Callaway and Clancy get those two questions right, uh, I think USC is set next year. You know, uh, I, I wasn't sure who he asked about on the offensive line, Ryan. Which, which was, uh, is it Toa? To- yeah, where Toa Lobendon plays. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I think they're, I don't know if they're going to look for a spot for him first or if they're going to see where everybody else fits and then have Toa be the guy who goes to where they need him. I think that's going to be an interesting decision for them to make in terms of how do they do that. Do they, you know, say, we're going to put, this is the best spot for Toa, and then work around that? Or are they going to say, this is the best way, you know, for the other four guys, and then have Toa uh, adjust to that? I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it'll be a really interesting decision. As to how that all works, and a lot of that's going to play. You know, does Roy Hemsley have what it takes to be that that guy at right tackle? That'd be great. You know, is Chuma going to be the guy 
with all the talent that he has, is he going to be the guy that shows it this year, knows what he's got in front of him at left tackle, and really, you know, handles things. This is going to be a more athletic offensive line, uh, much smaller. I mean, they're probably going to be hmm, 30 pounds a man lighter, I would guess, but also more athletic. Uh, and uh, I- I'm interested in, I think they'll have the ability to attack people. Last year's guys, I mean, you know, the famous uh, game at Utah where Damian Mama attacked that linebacker, ended up, you know, sprawled out, you know, five yards downfield and got, got the, uh, uh, you know, ineligible receiver downfield call that probably cost USC that game. Uh, so this will be interesting to see how they decide to shape this this offensive line and, and, and personnel-wise and, and, and which call goes first and how important is it to keep Nico at center or is that a better spot for Toa? Who who would adjust better to, you know, going out to tackle uh, or guard or however the other guys, you know, fill in? Where does Chris Brown, you know, fill in uh, in this scenario? Uh, a lot of questions. I'm not sure... You can answer one without involving all of them. Okay. On, on defense, gosh, I don't, I don't think they need to move Yuchenna. I, I think I like him where, you know, I like him, you know, on the edge, right, you know, set that edge and maybe have, uh, you know, Connor Murphy, uh, right behind him, uh, opposite Porter Gustin and Olawale as the predator. Uh, I kind of like, I like that, and I do think there's enough young talent to rotate through the inside uh, opposite Cameron Smith that uh, that I don't think they need to move Uchenna. I, I like Uchenna where he is. All right. Um, Tarek had a question. Looking ahead, since we're you know several weeks away from this, but he says, do you think USC has enough depth now to have a real spring game? Don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I think with ten or well, at least ten, it might have been twelve guys without helmets counting. You know, some of the walk-ons and that. Yeah, it's a little thin on the offensive line, to be honest. Uh, defensive line, pretty good. Obviously, wide-backers, uh, linebackers, not bad. Wide receivers, obviously, pretty good. Tight ends, good. Uh, safety's good. Uh, running backs, uh, good depth. Quarterbacks, we'll see how the kind of that battle for you know second goes. I think Clay's really, and I, I rightly so. He said he's putting pressure on Tyson. He said we got to come up with who's the second guy. So I think that'll be that'll help determine what what kind of depth they got is is how the quarterback, uh, the backup quarterback shapes up. But I think everywhere except uh, except the offensive line with uh, when you're talking about, you know, Toa can't go, and you had a hamstring with Vianney, uh yesterday. So you think, okay, that, that – and, and Nico had a little back issue. So without Nico, uh, Viani and Toa, you think, yeah, might be a 10 – Ted Light, as far as depth is concerned, there uh, on the offensive line, and Nathan Smith also recovering from his ACL surgery uh, in bowl practice. So, uh, so that takes four guys out, and uh, that makes it. You know, I think they can play a spring game, but uh, they might have to modify it a little bit uh, if if you're basically not considering those four as part of the spring game. Yeah, it's. Uh... I think the numbers will be pretty good. I just don't know. Even if the, if the numbers are perfect, I'm just not sure he would want to do something like that. You know, we just haven't seen the desire, I guess, to have like a full on spring game, you know? Yeah. I think they got, they didn't exactly have one last year. And I think they got an awful lot out of it. I know one thing we came out of spring game with for sure last year was Sam Darnold's really good. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have to play a full game to tell you that. Now, of course, the, the problem with figuring out how good Sam Darnold was, well, that's the only time you got to play with kind of live bullets, you know, that because you can't 
he was so good against the live pass rush, but you can't do that in practice. You just can't. You know, you can't take the yellow jersey off the, the quarterbacks. And yet, without that, there were a lot of times when they play would stop because they'd say, well, that, that's a sack, or you know, the defensive lineman would run by. And yet, in Sam's case, it wasn't a sack. It almost never was a sack. The whole season, that guy that got there first never sacked him. So uh, you couldn't tell that. That was the uh, – of, of all the things that you tried to, you know, figure out, you couldn't figure that out until there were actual games where they were coming at you live. Then you realize, whoa, he isn't going to be taken down by the first guy almost ever. And not only won't he be taken down, he's going to turn that into a benefit because now you're playing 11 on 10 because that guy's eliminated. And uh, your guys have more time to scramble and run to the ball. And uh, so you can really turn, uh, you know, I mean, as hard as they come out in, as much as they try, if they don't make it, they're, you know, they're in trouble, the defense. And I think that was the thing of, you kept talking to those Penn State coaches after the Rose Bowl, and the one thing that they kept shaking their heads were they 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 were athletic, they were tough, they had veterans, they had been successful all season getting the quarterbacks, and they couldn't touch them. I mean, they they couldn't almost believe uh, that they couldn't get to it, and that was the you know the the thing that as much as you do in practice, you can't know that until you get into games. And, uh, you know, that's why it took September. Yeah. Let's go to Keith in Oakland. He said, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Matt Fink. It seems that on the Peristyle and to some extent on the podcast that the battle for Sam Darnold's replacement will be between Jack Sears and 2018 commit Matt Corral. But as we enter spring, uh, Matt Fink is currently slated as USC's number two quarterback and is one play away from being our guy. What are you looking for in his development this spring? And can he hold off Jack Sears from taking the number two place on the depth chart? And he said, bonus question, when will USC add 2017 to the banner at the Coliseum uh, listing Rose Bowl victories? Fight on Keith and Oakland. They also have to do it on the practice field, too. Keeley put, tweeted out a picture yeah. of tw- 24 Rose Bowl wins. It's now 25. Yeah, good job by Keeley on that one. Uh, yeah, we get used to that stuff. Uh Again, uh, I guess spring got here too soon for him. I don't know. Uh, there are little, some little details. As far as, uh, Matt Fink, I want to, I want to see a little stronger, a little more confident. Uh, he certainly improved over, you know, the fall. He did a pretty nice job. Uh, actually, uh, you know, the two walk-on guys also did, did a pretty good job. I, uh, they challenged the, uh, you know, the first and second teams when they went against them. And, uh, that was really beneficial. But I thought Matt, uh, he had that one injury, uh, what was it a, a sprained ankle? I guess a pretty, pretty good ankle sprain. But, uh, as I, as I try to remember, but I thought he had a, he had a good fall and he, he's obviously got, you know, the advantage. You're, you know, you're coming in as a quarterback in the middle of the year. That's really, that's not easy at all. Uh, I mean, it didn't help. Uh, I mean, Sam didn't come in until the summer. I think it almost might be in some ways easier because you can, you know, you go to the player run practices and you don't quite have the pressure and you, uh, you just kind of get yourself in this, into things. Uh, and maybe in the long run, it's beneficial to be in, uh, you know, for the spring, but, uh, that's a big challenge. So we'll see, you know, how, how that develops, but, but I think no question. You know that Matt Fink has uh, has the edge at this point in time, and then it's you know it's for uh, for Jack to do what what Sam did, and you know now Sam was only what was it Ricky Town I guess wasn't it, right uh, was here in the spring, and Sam didn't get here until the summer. It took him about a day to catch up <laughs> uh, in the player run practices. He just you know he, that was Sam and Sam. So we'll see how Jack uh, how Jack handles that. It'll, it's a good good challenge for a young quarterback to to be able to put all that together and uh, and, and get himself 
you know, get himself going out there. We'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely see. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about the the banner stuff, but they do have to fix Howard Jones Field um, for sure. They need to add that that twenty fifth. Yep. Um, and we'll see what happens with the Coliseum. Yeah, that twenty five looks good. Looks better because this is their hundred twenty fifth season of football, which uh, you know they're making a kind of a big deal. And so it's nice to know that you've got twenty five Red Bulls to go with. Uh, 125 seasons. That's uh, something you'd probably want to be, you know, telling the world about. So 20% of every USC football season ends in a Rose Bowl win. Is, is that, that amazing? Is that... <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, because yeah. there wasn't any Rose Bowl for a bunch of those early ones, you know, like the first 40 seasons or something like that. Oh, so, so it's even higher than that. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, so it would be even higher than that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. USC's Rose Bowl history is pretty special and then you see last year a game that might be the most special of them all i mean obviously you know there are three or four that are just beyond belief the way they way usc won games uh in the rose bowl at the buzzer or wild games or whatever but uh but you can't top this year so it makes it hard to kind of put that into the uh, you know, the history bin, you know, and like, don't look there, you know, it's gone. It's not going to be easy to make that go away from everybody's mind because, and there's an awful lot of good things about it. And Clay did go here yesterday where he said, well, the great thing about it was we hadn't been that far behind like that since the Alabama game. Uh, and it showed we'd made so much progress because we were able to come from that kind of a deficit at the very end. And I, I agree that that was that was as much of what mattered more than anything at that game was that you know they were way way out of it, and then they weren't. Yeah. Uh, let's go, Anthony in L.A. He said, "Really enjoy the podcast and USC football talk slash analysis." Dan. Uh, there's some potential breakouts that could help tremendously this spring. The three I'd like uh, to see slash predict are Connor Murphy, Jordan Iasefa, and Matt Fink. Connor's technique, getting refined, could make our pass rush big time. Jordan Iasefa can hit. And if uh, he and Cam Smith got on the same track and communicate, uh, can, sol- can solidify a starting a solid starting def- uh, starting defense. Finally, I feel... Matt Fink is a kind of getting brushed over a bit with Sears coming in. If his knowledge of the playbook increases and his accuracy, I think he'd be a lock for the backup spot. Do you agree or disagree? Thanks again. USCfootball.com staff for the great work. Fight on Anthony and L.A. Yeah, Anthony, I think, you know, with the Matt thing, I think right now, no question, he's got the edge. And we'll see how that develops. It's, it's a long way till, uh, till next spring. And, you know, if Sam could redshirt, Maybe that's the, you know, the opportunity for Jack. Uh, I do think the backup quarterback is going to get more chance to play this year. And so, uh, again, that'll be a big, a big decision. And, uh, I think, you know, Mac clearly starts out ahead and, uh, I think he's been a better player than maybe people were expecting. And, and so, you know, that's all a plus for him. Yeah. Jordan Iasefa, as far as being the, they, uh, he and, you know, we, I mentioned John Houston before, but Jordan ESFA, again, that gives you a really nice complimentary, uh, inside linebacker with, with Cameron. And, and that's what you need. And, and kind of a similar player, uh, a special teams guy, a hitter, like you say. Um, I think either he or John Houston, Jordan or John Houston are, you know, they work out nicely. Uh, for this defense and what Clancy wants to do with them. So, yeah, I, uh, um, I'm, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, try to think, what was his third one, Ryan? He, oh, there was, was, um, Matt Fink, Jordan Iasefa. Oh, uh, and Connor, Connor Murphy. Murphy. Connor yeah. Murphy. Yeah, I think Connor, the thing that you like so much is, you know, he's six seven. And if he can be six seven, and, and I think he's probably above 260 now. I think they list him at 255. Uh, I think he might be pressing 270. Doesn't look like it, 
but uh, I just like the fact that he can bat passes down. He he's very good at timing, you know, where his arms and hands are, and uh, and and making you throw over him, or he's going to knock the thing down. I like I like it a lot. Uh, they haven't had somebody that does that really really well. So, uh, but I think at six seven, he's still got the strength to really hold the edge. You know, he can play with his hand down. And uh, I think he gives you an awful lot at that spot that, that you really want. So, yeah, I like uh, I like that. That will be a real plus. So, uh, you know, I just – I think I'm really interested in, in, in watching Connor Murphy and Olawale Batuka take the next step this year and really become uh, – you know, guys that when you put it, put them in the rotation, uh, you're not losing anything. Behind Porter Gustin and Nichenna. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there with, with Connor. You know, I think the thing, Dan, when you're looking at pass rush, and if you, if you got to watch any of the combine and you saw Miles Garrett just tear everything up and this freak athlete, you want to see USC have like a freak pass rusher like that, you know, and I, I don't, necessarily see one on the roster not you're going to compare everyone to miles garrett but just someone that's just like just a complete disruptor and not like solid or can do some good things it's just like he's out there making things you know wreaking havoc and i think uh al wally is probably the closest thing um that right. could potentially be that but if usc could develop something like that i think it would be a great weapon on the defense i just don't you know the when's the last time usc had someone like that it's just been a while yeah i guess morgan breslin so he got hurt, gave you a little bit of that. Um, I think uh, I think Porter has really been working. I mean, he knows. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, he knows that he got to get more flexible. We talked to him, you know, toward the end of the year. I guess it was the Washington game when he really started talking about what he's doing to try to develop that kind of flexibility. Uh, the other guy, I have seen more flexibility moves speed rushes and that is Rasheem Green. I think he's really developing some moves uh, that, you know, if you could have that guy where you don't have to give him any help and he can still get to get to the quarterback. Uh, you're talking uh, somebody like Sean Cody who could play that three technique and play it, you know, really you didn't need to free him up or give get him help or anything else. And, and I think, so I think the combination, if you get a couple of those guys to really, really work on their techniques and work on their physicality and uh, work on their moves, uh, I think you got a chance with with Rasheem Green and uh, uh, and Port Augustine. Yeah, that's uh, and I, you know, that's the next thing. I think when you're talking about USC recruiting really well and stuff and putting guys in spots. You want to see one of those guys come in. You want to see some freaky, just pass rusher. Those are the guys that get the most pub as far as, you know, the NFL draft and everything goes. Like those, those are guys everyone always wants. Uh, and so it'd be nice. Wait, see. you know, you know, the other guy I think that is that Jay uh, Tufale, I just watching his video, uh, Tufale, with a check when we, we get all the pronunciations. I think it's Tufale. I think yeah. when he gets here, Tufale, uh, I think he's got some really good, pass moves and uh, and and just some athleticism that that will get you there i think i look at uh, marlon and i look at a guy who's you know the state wrestling champ and has got this great low center of gravity and and great uh you know uh, initial uh punch and really can you know stand his ground and i look at jay and i think wow this kid can get get from here to there you know, pretty quickly. They're both like six three, two ninety five, which allows you to almost do anything you want with them. That, you know that that size. But uh, but the more I think about this team, I think what they're going to have to do defensively is it's got to be a real eleven man effort. That, that this has got to be you know where maybe you don't have anybody who's you know the Miles Garrett type, but you got a lot of guys that can make plays. And if everybody's doing the right thing every time, uh, this, this defense got a chance to be, uh, I think they got a chance to be special. Let's, uh, 
let's move on. Um, Eric in Duck Country says, uh, where will Clay Helton find a backup kicker? It would seem crazy to only have one kicker on the roster. Thanks as always. Well, they've got actually two backups right now. Uh, uh, and they're, you know, they've been in with the special teams the whole time, uh, behind Michael Brown. And we thought we were going to get a chance to see Michael kick yesterday. They lined up and they went over all the stuff and with Baxter and he's standing there and turns out it was all for the lineup part of it. It wasn't for the kicking part of it. So we didn't get, we didn't get to see him, uh, as a place kicker yesterday. And I don't know if that means that he's got a muscle pull or something like that. But, uh, but both, uh, two guys on the special team, Reed, uh, Budovich was a really good place kicker. Now he's the backup punter, but he was a really good place kicker in high school at, 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 Bo- uh, St. John Bosco and went to a few of their games and, and, I, you know, I really liked him as a place kicker, left footed. And then, uh, Wyatt Schmidt, who is the holder now, uh, was a holder last year, is also a place kicker. So, they actually have two special teams guys who are pretty good athletes and have done it, uh, have done it before. And so they really do have, have, and I know they had tryouts for walk-ons yesterday late. Don't know if they had anybody show up, you know, soccer style guy that, that can do it, but I, I think they're in pretty good shape. I think those two, uh, I mean, the lucky thing is that they had two guys, two place kickers on scholarship. You know, you're not, you don't always have that when you've got, uh, you know, a non-senior as your place kicker. And, uh, had, had they not had a second guy on scholarship and you lose your place kicker after, you know, signing day for sure, uh, there's nobody to, to go sign. And you may not have room to sign a, you know, another guy anyway. So I think they were very fortunate that they decided a year ago that, you know, they were going to bring Michael Brown in. So, and, and we'll see. He kicks it altogether differently from the way Bormeister does. He, he does have a 57 yard field goal in high school. So, and he drove almost every ball into the end zone in high school. Now that's five yards, uh, in a, sh- uh, shorter kick, but, uh, but we shall see, uh, at least, uh, at least they've got somebody who's been here for a year. And been on scholarship and, uh, and hopefully can step in. We have, uh, a couple of coaching questions, Dan. We have Frank in Las Vegas wants to know, uh, there's a lot of concern when LSU hired Tommy Robinson away from USC. Now there seems to be a lot of excitement about his replacement, Delan McCullough. Did USC have a net gain or loss in that swap? And is, is it possible that USC let Tommy leave? Because they already had uh, Delan identified as a potential replacement. Love all your podcasts. Keep up the great work. Fight on, Frank in Las Vegas. No, I don't think so. I think Tommy wanted. They knew Tommy loved it here and wanted to stay. So I don't think they were thinking uh, in those terms at all. Uh, and, and you don't know that, for example, that Ed's going to offer him a two hundred sixty-five thousand dollar raise and a make him. Uh, assistant head coach and you know one of those offers you almost can't turn down and usc maybe can't totally match it uh i think they would have you know liked all of us would have liked to see him keep tommy but then what you do is you say okay who's out there i i really don't know that i mean we're trying to come up with some connections uh, one of the things Deland did when, uh, he was in Indiana is he recruited, uh, the Howard kid, uh, from UAB, uh, Alabama Birmingham when they dropped their program. And Howard, you know, they go get him from Indiana and turn him into a guy who's, I don't know if he's rookie of the year, but he's all pro as a rookie running back for the Bears. And so whether there was a connection there between Neil Calloway, who had been the head coach at UAB, uh, or not. I, I, I don't know that, that that was the case. Otherwise, and we're going to find out when we talk to Deland tomorrow. But other than that, he's all kind of all Midwest and I grew up in Youngstown, played high school football there, went to Miami, Ohio, broke all the scoring records and running records there. 
uh, coach, and they played for the Bengals, and I think maybe the Eagles, and was in the CFL and the, even the Arena League a little bit, and then came back to Cincinnati as a high school coach and guidance counselor and principal, started a football program uh, at a you know inner city school, and uh, so and then he goes to Indiana when the head coach his, his, uh, when they closed down the charter school program. He took a job at Miami, and that head coach then got the Indiana job, and he went to Indiana with him. Uh, so he's been mostly a Midwest guy, and USC really doesn't have any Midwestern connections. Uh, I mean, they've recruited very few players from, from Ohio, had very few, you know, coaches, uh, you know, from Ohio, Indiana, that, that area, and so he kind of opens up a, where Tommy was, uh, you know, gave you Texas and, and Florida, uh, from his background in the Southeast. Uh, now you're getting, uh, a kind of a Midwestern guy, but, but when you look at this staff, you don't see any of those connections at all. So we're kind of interested in, in how they, how they made that connection because they, it certainly looks like they got as good a, as good a guy as you could have possibly. I mean, he loves recruiting. He's, you know, got those seven years when he did all that work as a, you know, high school coach and principal and all the other things he's done. I mean, I think he's really, uh, and then he's developed, you know, one good running back after another. Uh, Indiana, when you have a good running attack in Indiana, you're really doing something right. And they, you know, the years he was there, they've been pretty much good every year running the ball. And that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and um, I, I, mean, I agree with Dan. Uh, I don't think this was something that USC had planned. They let Tommy go. I mean, I think Clay Helton was certainly focused on trying to keep the staff together. Uh, there was, you know, too much for Tommy Robinson to turn down at LSU. And I really, I like the hire a lot. Um, you're not going to say it's a net gain or net negative, but I mean, I, I think we've been pretty clear and, uh, about things when, when USC hires somebody at any position, if you're kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't really get that. Um, this is definitely not one I would say that he doesn't have a USC connection, which I think is a great thing, or at least an obvious USC connection. Um, you know, really good at his job, uh, really good recruiter, developer, you know, developer of, of talent. And, uh, yeah, I think it's great. And Dan, I don't think we can talk to him tomorrow. I think the new people have to wait until after spring break, but at least that's a word I was getting from the SID department, but I will, I don't know. Even we'll the new, even the new coach, I guess that's what I was told, but I, you know, I don't know. We, mm. uh, We'll see. We're supposed Bummer. to. Yeah. Cause he's the one person everybody wants to talk to. Yeah. He's the new guy, you know, and, uh, yeah, the new guy. So, uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, and, and we don't know from minute to minute what the rules are. You know, <laughs> yesterday we were supposed to be able to talk to all the offensive players and coaches and then word of mouth came around that, Oh no, maybe you won't be able to talk to anybody, but these four, two offense, two defense and clay. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, so then you heard, well, everybody else will be available on Thursday, and now maybe there are, oh, some exceptions. You don't expect to talk to the freshmen until they get freshman relief. Right. Uh, that, you know, the new guys. But you, you wouldn't think that would apply to the, the one, uh, assistant coach everybody wants to talk to. <laughs> who's a, who's a grown man, not a 17 year old kid who, uh, you know. Well, he's a guy that the more you talk to him, the better, you're going to feel about USC. Yeah. I mean, he's like the really good news. You know, you don't want to put him under a bushel basket. <laughs> you know, you want to, you want to stand him up on the, on the pedestal and say, talk to this guy. We got really lucky. I mean, Clay's just thrilled to death. Yeah. I, mean, he, I, I don't think he, I mean, the, the interest, the combination of all the skills that he brings, uh, you know, that he was a really good running back. You know, he did play in the NFL. He has been a really good recruiter. He has all these other things where he's an educator and, you know, he helped start a, a high school football program and, and got a lot of kids scholarships and he's been a really good recruiter at a, at a place like Indiana. I mean, it's like, I don't know, what else could you ask for? You know, and he's a mature guy and yet he's kind of, you know, just getting going with his college coaching career. And, uh, I mean, he's just about as, you just say, man, this is, 
this is exactly what you could only hope for. And so I'd get him out there talking to us, but that's just me. Uh, let's see. We got Jim uh, had a question. He said, great podcast. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Jim. There, uh, USC has three coaches from Western Kentucky on staff. Uh, he said Tyler Helton. It's Tyson Helton. Uh, we'll let that slide. Uh, Neil Calloway. And now Brian Ellis as an administrative assistant. Um, I didn't even see that. I'll have to look at that. Did you think that they are bringing in uh, Western Kentucky coaches in order to put in that Western Kentucky offense that has worked so well in previous years? Also, Sam Donald has shown an ability to create big plays out of nothing in the last two years. Even when he was a redshirt freshman playing behind Kessler and Max Brown, people used to talk about how even when he uh, ran the wrong play, uh, not having mastered the playbook, he could still create a big gain out of a broken play. Do you think that they will try to tweak the offense a little in order to accommodate for this unusual power of creativity that Darnold seems to possess? Thanks. Fight on, uh, Jim. Yeah, Jim. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. I'll be honest. I think Western Kentucky performed as well. Uh, Jeff Brom was the, is the coach's name, and he comes from a family in Louisville where they all played football at the University of Louisville from Louisville Trinity High School, a great high school football program. Uh, and, I mean, I just think and, and Purdue was smart enough to hire him this year. And uh, I just think he was as good. I watched their uh, two years ago, their film at LSU, and just, you know, it was hard to believe how well they did what they did. And it wasn't that they didn't have talent. They had – you know, a really good quarterback that got drafted. They had the best offensive lineman in the draft this year uh, that Neil Callaway coached. And they also had a, a really good uh, defensive back. So they had uh, who's going to go high. So for them to finish, and I grew up in Kentucky, so for Western Kentucky to finish in the top 25 two years in a row, that's unbelievable. I mean, they and their offense just does, they, they're smart. They take what, what, what you give them, and they they make you pay. And they've got lots of options, and it's and I think USC went to it. The more the year went on, I think that that's where they were going anyway. Just because not so much it was because of Western Kentucky, it was really smart, and and USC could do it. It was the kind of thing, for example, that allowed that uh, game tying play in the Rose Bowl where. Uh, You've got Deontay running a, a square out, and he looks and sees where the two safeties are. Sam looks and sees where the two safeties are. They both know, I'm not running the square out. I'm going to run kind of a skinny post, and I'm going to get between those safeties, and Sam's going to get me the ball just quickly enough because they ain't going to be there very long. But he's going to have to see and And it was one of those ones where Deontay said, I know he knows I know it's there, and I know he knows it's there. And they both trusted one another. Well, that's the kind of thing I think you see in an offense the way Western Kentucky ran it. And the fact that Neon and Tyson obviously were leading in that direction, and I think T really wanted to go that way. And now they're bringing Brian Ellis. For a position they've never had before. I mean, they've not had a quality control coach for the offense. So, uh, he did not go to Purdue. He's, he's only 28. He was the, and he's another connection. He was, uh, Neil Calloway's quarterback at Alabama Birmingham. He's, ah. he's from Georgia. He's from Georgia. And, uh, so he, I think he started at UAB. Then he ended up at Western Kentucky. And, um, I mean, I like it again. You get a Georgia guy on the staff, but you created a, that's what Alabama does, or that's what Ohio State would do. That you've got this guy out there that, you know, will enhance what your, uh, what your offensive staff is trying to do. And, uh, so I like it a lot. I just think it's terrific. And, uh, I think he called the plays in the Boca Raton Bowl, uh, because a lot of the coaches had left to go to Purdue. And, uh, he was named the play caller. He had already been, you know, the quarterback's guy and kind of the offensive coordinator. But Jeff Brom really called his own plays at Western. And uh, so they played Memphis 
and Memphis is not a bad team, and they scored 51. They beat Memphis 51-31, Western did, with him calling the plays. So you got to like that about, you know, Brian Ellis. Uh, yeah, that's just one more guy uh, to contribute to the offense. So, and you know, they've got a, a Sam Darnold to take advantage of that. So, I mean, I think it's a plus all the way around. And so are they going to do stuff for Sam? You, you bet. I mean, that was one of the, the questions I had when we were discussing, you know, Sam or Max. I said that if they go with Sam, they've got to go with Sam. They've got to say, we're going to do things a little differently, and we're going to gear things to what Sam does well. And that's what they eventually, you know, you don't just do that immediately and figure out how to do it, and everybody is on the same page. But uh, I think as the year went on, you saw that uh, you know, the offense was gearing itself to what Sam could do. I think they'll... I think they'll make people, for example, be a little more aware of the fact that if Sam wants to run it, he can. And I think they're going to make you adjust to the fact that Sam might run the ball. Uh, he just might. He maybe won't do it much. But you're going to have to think about that every time uh, Sam runs the, the read option or whatever. I think you're going to make people... Uh, say, man, what if he does keep it? And there will be times when he will. And, and that's not going to be easy. <clears throat> and I wouldn't be surprised to see some more of the run-pass option where where they hold you in place with a, a read option and where you break it off and the quarterback doesn't run the ball, but he throws it quickly. Uh, I don't think we saw that that much, but I think uh, I think you might see more of that. That makes life really difficult uh, for the defensive people. You know, do you come up and support the run? Do you stay home? Do you give? You know, what do you what do you do? Yeah, uh, I, I think we can't wait. But I like, yeah, I like the fact that there are three guys from Jeff Brom's Western Kentucky staff on, you know, on the USC offense. We have, uh, let's see, one more. It's Dennis in Lancaster. He said, question for Dan. Now that the combine is over, uh, what Trojans, uh, which, which Trojans need to have a good pro day to improve their draft stock? Keep up the great USC coverage and fight on. Uh, well, the two that really didn't get to do anything, Justin Davis and Darius Rogers, uh, there's no, uh, they got no option now. I mean, they, you're hoping they can run and you're hoping they can lift and do all the things they got to do. But I think the pro day is really important, you know, for those two. Uh, I mean, it's, it's all important, especially, I mean, I think Darius, well, both of them, there's a little question as to, well, can they really, how fast are they? <coughs> and, uh, you know, then you got the three offensive linemen and, you know, we're talking about, you know, Bench press improvements. We're talking about, you know, picking them up, putting them down. Uh, there are some, uh, I wasn't crazy watching them come out of their starts. Uh, I, I thought hey, that was costing, costing all of them some time. And, and those are things, you know, you can't necessarily teach somebody fast, but you can teach them how to get out of that stance and get going. And, uh, so I would think there would be some mechanics that they're working on with, you know, the people they're working with, uh, you know, for the pro day for the, the three offensive linemen. I think Stevie, I mean, Stevie ran, ran better in the 40 than, than all three of the offensive linemen. And that probably shouldn't happen. Uh, so I don't know that Stevie's got a lot of work to do. He is what he is. He's a nose, you know, he's a nose guy and a team that's going to play a, you know, three man, three, four. And, uh, I think he moved fine, uh, as far as Stevie. I think he, you know, showed him what, you know, and his interviews are going to, obviously going to go well. I don't think Adore, I was surprised that Adore's long jump, for example, or broad jump, that he was like 12th or whatever. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of weird. Huh? That shocked me a little bit. Now, I think he's a guy, his movement skills are so good. When you saw him, 
doing the drills out on the field, there's no one more fluid. There's no one that changes directions better. There's no one who's got better hips and all that. But it might be one of those, you know, if you're used to being a, you know, Olympic quality or at least hopeful in the long jump, you're so used to having it, you know, come at the end of a, a long, fast run that the mechanics don't work for you when you're doing it just standing there and, and, and going. But, uh, but, you know, whether he wants to do that again or not, he was still fine, uh, with all the, you know, all the, the things that they measured. But, uh, I was a little surprised too. Here's a guy who can dunk a, dunk a basketball in a 12 foot basket. And yet his, uh, his vertical was 36 inches, which is good. But, you know, who was it? I mean, uh, I think, uh, Josh, the modern baby had like a 44 at, up at Nike, uh, two summers ago, right? Right? Yeah. Or something like that. Yep. He had, they were testing out that new way, uh, electronically of, or laser, whatever to measure the, uh, uh, vertical. And he set the record. Uh, so I was surprised at 36. I thought, and again, though, it's from stand, standstill. And I think the Dory needs to be moved. That's just who he is. Yeah, because he does the, it's the what's the triple jump, right? That's his. No, the long jump. He did the long jump. Oh, long jump. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> but you got that big long run, and it's all about the mechanics and the takeoff and all that. You're not doing it just from standing there, standstill. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, that surprised me watching him do that and thinking, okay, he, without without movement, he's uh, he's kind of normal. But yeah. then. Then they put him on the field in the drills, and you watch other guys do the turn, you know, going one way and then turning the other way and trying to do it as fast as they could. And you and then you watch the Dory, and you thought, wow, he looks like he's on ice skates or whatever. He's just going so, you know, smoothly and, and fast. So uh, he does have some advantages there, but who knows, maybe because those are all done standstill, he may have a disadvantage uh, with his background. All right. Well, great stuff, Dan. Man, we went over an hour on this one. It was a, it was a long one. Um, I got plumbers in my house. So maybe I just wanted to stay out of the house for a little bit longer <laughs> subconsciously, but thanks. Thanks for coming on. It was great. Uh, great kind of recap. Of I enjoyed the first it. Day. Good, again, good questions. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks everyone uh, for that. We might try to do one more with uh, Gerard Martinez this week. Cause I know you got some recruiting questions and he was out of practice too. I'm actually going to be out of town this weekend. So we probably won't have a podcast early in the week. So if uh, we don't do another one and look for a little bit later next week, like Wednesday or so, we'll do another podcast. But thanks again for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed this, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.